0: Ever and ever. So, um, yeah, we're going to keep going through this, this series and one forty-five. 1.45. Very good. Mm-hmm. Do you want me to swap over? Oh, there we go. Sweet. Awesome. Um, Yeah, we're going to keep going through Psalm 145 again this week and next week, and um, the topic's been worthy of praise, so talking about God being worthy of our hearts, our worship and our praise, and again, when we come every Sunday, that's what we do. We we sing and we praise God. We talk about how great He is, and we celebrate His goodness, and um, even as we share communion, we remember what He's done, and then we sing about that and celebrate it and have joy about it, and even as we're singing Hallelujah... It means in the Hebrew, a halal is a praise. It's giving praise to Yah- Yahweh. And our God is, when he revealed himself to Moses, he revealed himself with this name Yahweh. And so when we say hallelujah, it's praise Yahweh. We're saying praise our God. He's, he's worthy of praise. And what we've been doing is looking at different aspects of this psalm. And the first week was about how God acts in history. God's not just Absent or passive, he's powerful and he made everything and then he's acted powerfully to rescue and save. Then we talked about his character, how God is gracious and compassionate. He's like a father or a mother caring for a child. He's slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. Last week was about the fact that he's also a king and we praise him for his kingdom, yet he's a king on a cross who conquers through the self-giving love, his death and resurrection. What we're gonna look at today is just the next sort of paragraph and section in this psalm around God being generous. And all those things that we've looked at before are examples of his generosity in, in creation, in salvation, in his heart of care and attention, and even his kingdom that he welcomes us into generously. So we have a very gracious and generous God. Because he's generous, we can trust Him to provide for us, and care for us, and look after us. And if we can trust Him to provide for us, care for us, and look after us, we don't need to worry. We can live at rest, we can live at peace, we can be joyful, rather than be frantic, or concerned, or worried about not having enough. Because if we're worried, constantly, there's this heaviness and this burden, which is not really conducive to joy, and praise. like If you're praising God and celebrating, it's a joyful thing. Whereas if we're worried about not having enough, we're worried about problems and issues in, in our lives, it's, it's really hard to engage with praise and celebration. Um, I actually find this particularly hard. It's kind of how I'm a bit messed up, I suppose. Like uh, My personality naturally is quite fearful. Uh, fear is my sort of core struggle. Um, even though it doesn't look like it, maybe. I, I've grown a lot <laughs> through that, but kind of under the surface, it's still there. Um, but kind of what I do naturally, if I'm not trusting God, my natural way of coping in life is to constantly be scanning for threats and problems and dangers. I kind of, that's just what I do. Like naturally, I'm, I'm aware that this could go wrong or this could go wrong or maybe I won't have enough here or maybe I shouldn't say that because this person will think that. And then, like, that's kind of what's going on under the surface all the time. And it's worry, um, it's anxiety, uh, it's kind of a way of coping. Um, that's not God's plan at all. It's my way of coping without God. It's, it's not good. It's the flesh. Um, I've grown through that a lot recently and, and over the years. But it's interesting because when I'm in that place, there's this weird thing where joy is actually threatening. Because to be joyful, you have to, in a sense, let go of that. To, to be joyful and actually experience joy, there's a lightness and a peace And you can't be looking at all the dangers and threats and be joyful. You kind of have to let go of that protective, self-protective measure and the worry for a moment, and you have to engage with celebration and joy. And I actually find that really hard. Um, Joy can be kind of like a threat even. And I have to actually consciously, no, I can trust God and just engage with joy. And this is kind of um, what we're invited to, is to be people who can live in praise and joy, because we have a generous God who cares for us. We don't need to live in worry and self-protection and anxiety. So what we're gonna do is go through, um, yeah, from the second half of verse 13 through um, this, this paragraph in Psalm 145, and just look around this idea of God being generous, God being someone we can trust, and therefore we don't need to worry, and therefore we can celebrate and praise Him. So I'm just gonna pray, and then, then we'll look at that. So yeah, we just say, we praise you, Lord, um, God, we thank you for your acts, we thank you for your character, we thank you for your kingdom, and today we just thank you for your generosity, and we just ask, God, that you'd speak and reveal the truth about who you are from your word, Lord. Uh, Just renew our minds and our hearts and give us faith to believe you and trust you and experience your joy and praise you, Lord. We just ask that you'd speak by your spirit today in your name, amen. So um, this next... Bit. We're just sort of going to go through just a few verses and we'll kind of go into some other verses around scripture from these. So this is what David says. The Lord, it's Yahweh, is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. So again, God is generous. God is trustworthy. We can trust him. And it makes a point of the all. He's trustworthy in all he promises. All that he says is trustworthy. He's faithful in all that he does. So the Lord is trustworthy. Um, A couple of weeks ago, when we were talking about God's character, um, you might remember I was saying that the verse in Psalm 145 is a quote from a story about Moses when God reveals himself to Moses, says, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And, And the quote in Psalm 145 doesn't have the faithfulness, but it appears later that God is faithful, that he's trustworthy. This is the idea that God is reliable, When when God says something, you can depend on it. He's he's dependable, he's he's trustworthy, he's consistent. The problem is not that God's not trustworthy. The problem is that humans consistently over many centuries and, and millennia don't believe that about God. God is trustworthy, he's declared that, he's demonstrated it, but humans constantly don't believe that he's trustworthy and therefore we don't experience the peace And the rest, instead, we think we have to look after ourselves. We see this even right at the very start of the story of the Bible. God is a generous God who creates this amazing world, creates a a bountiful garden for his, his humans that he's made, Adam and Eve. He says you can eat from any tree in the garden. He's providing for them. They're in his presence. Yet, right from the start, they believe a lie about God. And they believe that actually God's not trustworthy, that actually God's holding out of them that God's holding back from them, and actually that they need to take things for themselves. They need to take things in their own hands. They need to protect themselves. They need to be wise in their own strength. And this is what happens in Genesis 3. Humanity doesn't trust God, but takes for themselves. It says this in Genesis 3, 6, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. This is the one tree that God said not to eat of. He said you can eat of all these other trees. They weren't aware of their vulnerabilities before that. They were living in the trusting care of God, but they believed the lie that said God is not trustworthy, so they took things into their own hands. And since then, humans have done that, consistently again and again. We live with a scarcity mindset. We think there's not enough, so we need to take what we can get. And even if we have to push other people down to get it, we have to do that, we have to protect what we have. We need to look after ourselves because there's not enough. And if we don't do that, things will go bad. And we saw some pretty clear examples of that this year in a world where there's an abundance of food and there's abundance of our needs provided, but as soon as a threat comes along, people stockpile and they, 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 rid the, they take everything off the shelves, and they fight people for toilet paper, and it's, you think you, that wouldn't happen in our world, like, or in our society, where we have so much stuff. We see even when there's so much stuff, even when you can easily get things that you need, people freak out, there's not enough. We need to make it happen, we need to provide for ourselves. but The amazing thing is we see Jesus face the same temptation, the same temptation to not believe that God's trustworthy, and to take things into his own hands, but he's the only one who didn't. He didn't. He demonstrated trusting God, he demonstrated that God is trustworthy, and when lied to about God, he didn't believe the lie, he believed the truth. We see this in the story of Jesus' temptation in Matthew 4. Jesus comes and he's in this wilderness, he's hungry, and the same being that came to Adam and Eve to lie to them comes to Jesus. says, the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. But Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus doesn't believe a lie. He believes the truth, the truth of what God has said and stands on it. Again, the tempter says, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it's written, he will command his angels concerning you. They will lift you up on their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. The, the, the enemy here is like even using God's words and twisting God's words. But Jesus answered him, it's also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. But Jesus stands on God's promises and his truth. It says again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. But Jesus said, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So Jesus shows that the Lord is trustworthy. He trusts where humans throughout history have not. Humans throughout history take things into their own hands and believe that God doesn't provide. They test God rather than trusting him and even worship other gods to get what they want rather than worship the one true God. But Jesus didn't. He demonstrated that God is Trustworthy, that he's faithful, that he's reliable. And what is it like just to, to live like this, to like live out that truth? Like to really engage with that truth, that God is trustworthy. It means when he says something, he means it and he will do it. There's no question about it. That that can lead to this strong sense of peace and rest. Because when you're like when you meet somebody, maybe, or you have somebody you know and you're not really sure if they're trustworthy. It's really hard. Like, if someone has said something one time and then they say something different another time, or they say something one time and then they don't do what they said and they don't fulfill their promise, and if that happens again and again, people start to lose the power of their word and it's hard to trust them. And then when you're around them, you're like, oh, do they mean what they're saying or do they not? Like, I can't really tell. And it's hard to know whether you can trust them. Yet, when you have someone, maybe a family member or a friend, who you know is a person of character, who knows a person of their word, who you've seen them say and do consistently again and again. When they say something, it's it's like, good. It's like, yeah, okay, I, I believe you. I trust you. God has consistently done that, always. He has always true to his word. He has proven his faithfulness throughout the whole history of the world and Scripture, the story of the Bible. It's interesting, because sometimes we talk a lot about faith and trusting God, but but. Often we think of it like a stab in the dark, like, like just trust God, like, like it's just this jump off a cliff and hope for the best. Like, but it's not just trust God, it's God is trustworthy. He's worthy of trust. He's proven that. You, you, we're not, it's not just a stab in the dark, like it does involve letting go of control, but it, it's not just we hope for the best, it's God has proven himself trustworthy. He's worthy of it, therefore we trust in him. And we rest in his loving arms because he's faithful and he's consistent. So the Lord is trustworthy. We can rest in him. We can trust in him. So he's generous. He provides. But he doesn't just be generous and provide for people who deserve it. He, he is generous to even those who fail and fall. We see this in the next section of this psalm. David says, The Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. It's this picture of like us going down, like we stumble and we fall, but the Lord upholds. He's the one that lifts up. Or we bow down, we humble ourselves and he comes and lifts up. That that's his heart to people who are broken, who have failed, to people who are humble. See that the Lord is generous even to those in need. The Lord helps those in need. He's gentle with our weaknesses even when we fall, and it, which is crazy, right? Like we're saying, he's this amazing, generous being that then most of humans don't believe that and think that he's holding out on them. Yet he's still generous <laughs> and gentle to them even though we take his stuff and think it's ours when it's all his. Like he's still gentle and gracious to us even in the midst of that. And again, we see this in the life of Jesus. Jesus' compassion, Um, Jesus' care for the broken, for the downtrodden, for the neglected, he comes and lifts up people who are sick, who are excluded, who who feel like they're disqualified. He lifts them up consistently. There's even this reference to Jesus, it's a prophecy from Isaiah um, that talks about the servant who Jesus is fulfilling, says this of the servant, a bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out this picture of the weak, those who are bruised and fragile, who maybe the world pushes aside or in, the, in our humanity in the way that we just take, we then and end up pushing aside the weak and it's the strong that get on top. But when Jesus comes, that's not how he operates. He's gentle. He cares for the bruised, for the broken. He gives fire and flame to those who are going out. Um, David Guzik on this says this, quote, often we feel that God deals roughly with our weaknesses and failures. Just the opposite is true. He deals with them gently, tenderly, helping them along until the bruised reed is strong and the smoking flax is in proper flame. So again, this is, Jesus reveals the heart of God. Jesus' heart is of compassion and care for the sick and the broken and to those who fall and fail. Like the story of Jesus Peter, one of his disciples, denies him three times. And at the end of John, Jesus gently and kindly upholds him and restores him and brings him back. Um, Even after Jesus has risen and ascended, there's this story with Paul who's preaching Jesus who has an issue that he's asking Jesus for help with. And Jesus, it says that his grace is sufficient and his power is made perfect in weakness. He's gentle and helps Paul, and even right at the start of the story, when Adam and Eve don't trust God and, and then they have to make these coverings for themselves, God then actually clothes them. He makes clothes for them and He cares for them and He doesn't give up on humanity. He upholds the broken, even those who rebel against Him. He's gentle and kind to, you. He's generous to. You. The Lord helps those in need. So we have a God who's generous and kind to us, even in our weaknesses and failures. What does this mean when we fail or when we fall? There's an invitation to not run from him, but in a sense even to fall into him. When we fall, we fall into his arms. There's an invitation to not live just protecting self or advancing self or climbing the ladder or trying to be on top. Jesus explained his kingdom is the opposite. We we go low. The, the, The way to follow Jesus is to be humble, to lower ourselves, but the promise is he will lift us up. Uh, Again, sometimes we kind of feel like maybe in our world or our culture, the thing to do is hide your weaknesses. Hide them, cover them, deny them, bury them. Weaknesses is bad. We need power and strength and to hold it together. But instead, in Scripture, we see, no, God's actual grace and power is made perfect in our weakness. There's an invitation to embrace our weakness, to trust God in the midst of our weakness. Even if you read through the story of Jesus' disciples. It's all about their weaknesses, right? And they're the guys that wrote the story. Like, They just are open about their weaknesses and God's grace with them. So even if we fail or fall, he is still faithful. He is still generous. But it goes even further than that because it's not even that God is just generous to those who trust him or to those who come to him and they fall. He is actually generous to all, all creation. David goes on in Psalm 145, 15. It says this, The eyes of all look to you, you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. It's this is idea of God as generous to all. He provides for all. He cares for all, including animals, including the creation. He's attentive and He cares. Uh, this is particularly evident in Jesus' teaching on worry, Uh, which we talked about before, but it's good to to keep coming back to it because it's such a key teaching of Jesus, that Jesus says we don't have to live with worry because God is a generous host who cares and he will provide. He knows the needs, he sees them, and he'll provide for them. Jesus, um, I'll just read it out because it's worth reading again. This is Jesus' teaching on worry. He says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. It's not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store in barns and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much, worth much, more, value, are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? He says, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his glory was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. That's a long quote, but it's worth reading again and again, because it's such an interesting teaching of Jesus. Because he says, right, God is generous to all, including the birds and the flowers. He feeds them and he clothes them. And this is, this is what Psalm 145 says, all look to you. Everything that ultimately that we have is a gift of God. And, and all creation, animals actually are fed by the Lord. He, like, there's still obviously process that needs to go on through that. Um, but, he, but he cares and he gives generously. So why does it sometimes seem like we don't have enough? Or why do we worry? What's the problem? Because we normally think the problem is there's not enough. right? Or the problem is God doesn't provide. Or the problem is that we're on our own. But, but Jesus says, no, that's not the problem. God is generous and he cares and he provides. The problem is we don't believe it. We don't trust him. And again, it's sort of, there's, there's lots of questions to ask around that, like about, about the world and how does that work with the world and issues in the world, how does that work with famine and poverty and so forth. And that's a big question that we can't sort of get into details with that at the moment. But the interesting thing is Jesus experienced poverty, yet he's teaching this. Uh, on this, Tim Mackey um, says this, Jesus did experience poverty firsthand, but he viewed the world through the story of the Hebrew scriptures which claims that our scarcity problem isn't caused by a lack of resources. Rather, the problem is our mindset that God can't be trusted. He's saying that's the problem. Jesus says, why are you worrying? It's because you don't have faith. That, that's the problem. It's not that you don't have enough. It's that you don't trust God, that he's a generous host that will provide. And again, this is what humans have done throughout history. We, we think that God's not trustworthy, therefore we have to take and that's what leads to all the devastation. That's what leads to the issues and the problems that we have to consume and therefore others don't have enough. It's not that God is not generous in giving enough, it's that we hoard and we hold and we cause the devastation. But He is generous to all. So see, the Lord is trustworthy. We can trust what He says. We can rely upon Him. The Lord helps those in need, those who fall, those who bow down. And the Lord is generous. He's a generous God to all, even to his enemies. The overflows of his heart is generosity. And as you know, the ultimate act of generosity is that he gave himself on the cross to humanity who had fallen into bondage and sin to humanity who didn't trust him but rebelled, to people who even crucified him. He loved them and cared for them and was generous to them in that he gave himself to them. He gave everything, not just out of his abundance, but all. He gave his life. There's this beautiful verse from Second Corinthians 8, 9. says this, "'For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, "'that though he was rich,' Yet for your sakes, he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. He's this generous God that would give him his son, that would give himself to us. Our God is generous. I suppose the invitation today, again, is that this is a reason to praise him. We praise him because he's a generous God, abundantly generous. He's kind, trustworthy, gentle with our weaknesses, we can release our worry and let joy in and trust in his care and provision and live out the reality that if we have him, we have all that we need. If we have all that we need, that is incredibly joyful and something to celebrate. So that's what I thought we could do, um, just to finish, is we might read out um, early in the year, we spent some time in Psalm 23. Uh, which was really relevant and just speaking to a lot of people at the time. And again, Psalm 23 is a celebration of God's generosity and care and the fact that if we have him, we have all that we need. So what I'd like you to do is to stand, and we're just going to read out Psalm 23 together, and the band can come back up, and then we're going to sing and celebrate and praise God for his generosity. So if you'd like to read along with me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So we just honor you, Father, as a generous God. We thank you that you're trustworthy, that you care that you love, that you give abundantly to us every day. We say thank you, so you're worthy of praise. We ask you would fill us with joy in your presence. We ask that you'd help us to give our worry and fear and doubt to you. Give us faith to trust in you and your abundant generosity to us, Lord. Fill us with joy in your presence. For if we have you, we have all that we need. We trust and love you, Lord. We just pray this in your name, Jesus.